goodest of good days, cats and kittens, and welcome to a somewhat belated midweek morsel of discontent provider. Maintaining his customary wry silence is my co-host Arkham, the world's greatest lurcher, and I'm the Silver Fox. I'm a poet, I'm a picker, I'm a prophet, and I'm a pusher. Oh, dash it all. Hang about for the merest second, won't you? That's not in fact true, except the first bit. The rest of it, now I come to think of it, was from the chorus of The Pilgrim by Chris Christopherson, and while it may have a certain resonance to the shambolic life of an undistinguished anti-folk survivor, I wouldn't say it fitted me to the proverbial T. No, inspiring as country songs may be, one really shouldn't use them as a cornerstone to one's personal philosophy or attempt to co-opt them in uh, an identity. A fearfully redundant observation, you might think, but one never can tell. It has happened, you know. I recall an acquaintance of mine back in the merry maelstrom of mischief that was my twenties who decided that he would live and die by the message and spirit of Willie Nelson's The Red-Headed Stranger. Well, the whole affair panned out much as you might expect, really. And while it turns out that Mr Nelson was quite right when he observed that you can't hang a man for killing a woman who's trying to steal your horse, it turns out that you can stick somebody into a secure psychiatric unit for an indefinite period for doing that especially if they kill three women and actually didn't own a horse in the first place. A nasty business, all in all. This may appear to be the merest vapid gibberings right now, but I assure you, podcast pals, that they are the result of some fairly earnest and lengthy cogitation. As Arkham and I rove the rural byways in search of respite from the irredeemable frightfulness of 21st century humanity's frenzied self-cannibalisation, the nature of core beliefs of a personal philosophy, of values if you will, have been churning uh, up the muddy depths of my mind marsh in no uncertain terms. Values are very much with us now, as you've no doubt noticed yourself or at least a palpable lack of them, seems to be exercising the febrile minds of many observers, commentators and the like. I refer specifically to conservative values, that's conservative with a big C in just about every conceivable sense of the phrase. Uh, They don't have any, it appears, and in opinion of express leader writers and similar swadisant sages, they had bally well better get some instanta, or at least get but uh, go back the way they came and pick up some of the ones they apparently discarded if they wish to avoid electoral oblivion uh, the next time it so pleases them to put their money regarding their claims about the public satisfaction with an unalloyed enthusiasm for Mr Sunak's dazzling performance where their lying, odious and increasingly cloaca-like mouths are. Now, I hope you'll forgive me for a whit of self-indulgence here, but I must confess that I'm going to uh, take much more than a quick snort of pleasure in making my next statement, uh, if not down the whole fucking bottle in one glorious pleasure bender. The Express is quite wrong, of course. Oh, by gosh and giddy gumdrops, that was even better than I thought it would be. I don't often get the uh, chance to say it, uh, you see. Not because woeful inaccuracy and a painful blindness to the truth are of rocking horse shit-like rarity in that most deplorable of rags, rather that I do so rarely encounter anyone to whom that truth isn't entirely self-evident. You just don't often get the chance to say it. Grand stuff. Anyway, as I was saying, the Express are wrong to say that the government aren't displaying traditional conservative values. We've seen in the past 13 years little beyond infighting, self-serving dishonesty, a profound arrogance in the face of public dissatisfaction with colossal incompetence and what would appear to be industrial strength, fraud and corruption, 
and a culture wherein sleazy bullying weirdos are constantly rewarded with promotion and cushy little numbers. Stone me if that wet-eyed little fuckstump Matt Hancock's insistence that he should receive some sort of immunity against any sort of comeback for care home deaths for his participation in the Covid inquiry, well, if that doesn't reveal the true face of a party of elitist shits who genuinely believe that for them there are no consequences, I think we can all agree that words and actions have no essential meaning and that all bets are off as far as the nature of reality is concerned. One really wonders where they get it from, eh? I too vigorously agree with sentiments being expressed. Gentlemen, while the media are focused upon the pettifogging nonsense and chaff of the Monday Club and the 1922 Committee, I'd like to bring this meeting of the real guiding group of the Conservative and Unionist Party of Great Britain to order. All hail Astaroth! Hail Astaroth! To business, then. As you know, times are a touch ropey for the dear old party at the moment. Many of our traditional voters expressing the view that we no longer champion historic conservative values. Thoughts? I sometimes fear that we're not being racist enough. I mean, I know I'm racist enough, and I'm sure you are, Mr Chairman, but... Some of us. This is about me, isn't it? Not necessarily. Why would you think it's about you? Don't give me that, Cecil. I know what people are saying. They're saying that I allowed that inspection to reveal that Legionella infection on the Bibby Stockholm, aren't they? You did, though, to be fair. Well, yes, but you know very well that I'm heavily involved with the company that runs the damn barge. We get £800 a night per darkie we cram into the bloody thing. They're not worth a farthing to us dead. What was I supposed to do? I didn't get into this caper to lose money. You know full well that if there was a 900 quid bounty per asylum seeker, I'd go aboard with me purdy and do the lot. I, I'm sorry. I know you're a decent sort when it comes to the coloureds. Crikey, remember when we set fire to that Indian first forum at Eton together and blamed it on the local oiks? My word, I remember that. I had no idea that that was you. Didn't, uh, didn't the Boilerman's son go to prison for it? That's right. He got stabbed to death in Parkhurst, I believe. They're right, you know. The happiest days of your life. Indeed. But we are, if you recall, facing considerably less jolly days at the moment, so, uh... I really can't see what we can do. I mean, in an ideal world, we'd have let those schools crush a few scrofulous sprogs and blamed it on lazy and overpaid union workers in the 50s and 60s. But some damn fool let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> no wonder the vermin think we're going soft. A shame, that. What about Boris? People seem to like Boris. I'll admit that he looked simply ripping on paper, but he wasn't very reliable, was he? Never did his prep, and made an utter dog's breakfast of Brexit. Yes, but it was supposed to be a dog's breakfast, wasn't it? At least, for those silly goofs that weren't prepared for it. <laughs> oh, quite. But it wasn't supposed to be that obvious, you see. That's why I wanted to stay with old Mother May. She always looked as though she was trying, bless her. I suppose Boris was our fault, but he did seem like a good idea at the time. Huh. So did universal suffrage, and look where that got us. You know, it occurs to me that our biggest mistake has been in trying to convince people that we're acting for the best. 
Why the hell bother, eh? I rather fancy that you're onto something there, my boy. We have a uniquely miserable, grudging, bitter and cantankerous population. They see being unhappy as a virtue and would sooner have a multitude of petty inconveniences and rules to grouse about than enjoy anything that makes their life easier, happier or more fulfilling. Bang! God, you're bang on there! In fact, the only thing they hate more than being happy is seeing other people being happy. So, off with the gloves then? Eviction without cause should be a sacrosanct right for landlords. How about giving landlords the right of premier noctis? You know, I've got a tenant. Her daughter must be getting on for 13 by now. I mean, 16 by now. Yes. Well, perhaps we should put that in the small print. Righto, will do. How about this one? Let's give those banking wallers a big fat raise. Forget all that net zero tripe, too. Let's get all those old disused chimneys belching noxious chemical smoke back into the cities, eh, what? Get the herd's kids coughing up black sputum and blood again. That'll keep the blighters off of Twitter. This is capital stuff, chaps. I'll get on the blower to Sunak and have him push the lot. Here we go. Oh, no damn signal. He's probably in his helicopter again. This was so much easier when I could just send a fast horse to intercept Disraeli's carriage before he got to the house. Disraeli? How, how old are you, sir? I was more ancient than death before the old ones lit the pitiful candle you call the sun, mortal. See? I told you he was, didn't I? You might be wondering, perhaps you've even been suffering interminable agonies over a Wednesday sans argument myself, just why this episode has come out today rather than its usual slot. Well, given the theme, I wanted to hold fire until the Commons vote on the suspension of Wellingborough's favourite indecent exposer, Peter Bone. As I thought it might give a useful object lesson, and in a way it did. While Mr B was suspended, the procedure for his booting was uh, interesting. According to an account of the vote in Politics Home, quote, no division of votes was needed in the House of Commons, as Bone's suspension was confirmed by several eyes in the chamber and no shouts of no. Essentially, uh, this battle of the bands approach tells us that while nobody was actually willing to defend Bone, we have no record of exactly who voted to turf the lad. Several voices could mean anything from a dozen to the full complement of members, meaning that an MP uh, can, should the matter arise, claim that their voice was or wasn't part of that chorus of disapproval, depending upon which will make them look good at the time. So much for accountability and transparency, and yet another win for those most basic of Tory values, shiftiness and expediency. I don't know whether that more so was worth the wait, but uh, what's done is done, and all I can say is that we both hope that your suffering wasn't too unbearable. We can also assure you that we'll be back on Friday with more Discontent Provider, and of course, a song at the end. Until then, cheerio.